0: Much quieter. I'd like for you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke for the last Sunday and today and for the next couple of Sundays. We're just going to take the second chapter of the Gospel of Luke and look at those special settings that is found there in the Christmas story. Today, we're going to be talking about a no vacancy at Christmas time. And certainly, we find that this is so true when Mary and Joseph went to Jerusalem and there they were going to register themselves in this particular time of a census taking. And yet, There was no room there. So let us stand in reverence of reading God's word. We're going to look at the first seven verses. The Bible says, and it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger, Now notice what it says. Because there was no room for them in the end. Can you imagine looking back on time being the innkeeper? That you turn Mary and Joseph away and of course the Lord Jesus Christ turning him away. It almost reminds you of today, does it not? Of people are turning away and not are having a no vacancy sign. There's no room here. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would give us insight and certainly the knowledge and the ability to visualize and to understand what took place that day, many, many, many years ago. I pray, dear Father, that you might speak to our hearts and challenge us here today and to remind us of your presence and to use this time to draw people to you. May you fill us with your spirit, anoint us with your power, And may the Christ that we preach will be exalted. And Father, we'll give you the thanks and the praise and the glory. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I was reading a story about what took place in the year of 1775 in Baltimore, the city of Baltimore in the fall of that year, there was a man that was lowly dressed and he looked like a farmer, had dirty bib overalls. And he went to this very prestigious and very sophisticated uh, hotel and tried to get a room. And, of course, the manager looked at his dress and thought that this was not something that he would want in his hotel. So he refused him to have the room, and so the man went away. A little while later, the manager come to realize that that man that he turned away was none other than Thomas Jefferson, the vice president at that time of the United States. Immediately, he sent a messenger to Thomas Jefferson and told him that you are certainly welcome to come and to stay at the hotel there in Baltimore. Thomas Jefferson sent a message back, and he said, thank the manager for allowing me to come and to have a room there at the hotel in Baltimore. But if he did not have room for a lowly, dressed, dirty farmer of America, I must refuse because he doesn't have room for the vice president of the United States. And when I read that, I thought immediately, of course, the story that we have here found in the Gospel of Luke. Little did the innkeeper realize who he was turning away. No doubt he had heard the prophecies of old that Jesus was going to be born there in Bethlehem. But little did he realize who Mary and Joseph were. Was It seems as if that even in our day and time, there are no vacancy signs all around us. There's no room for the Lord Jesus Christ in our hearts, in our homes, and in our country today that it seems. It seems like that more and more people today are turning away from the Christ that we know of today. I want us to look at this no vacancy for a few moments. And I'd I'd like to address three different things, three different subjects that as we think about this no vacancy. First of all, I want you to think with me today of that there's no room historically. No room historically. This, of course, was the night that our Savior was born. This was the night that he left the glories of heaven, coming and now going to be born of a woman and to be born into this world. Now you stop and you think about it. Immediately you began to notice that there was a prophecy that was being fulfilled with the Lord Jesus Christ when he came and when he was born there in Bethlehem. The Bible says that there in verse 1 in chapter 2, listen to what it says. A decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. It seems as if God in his infinite way was able to arrange all the circumstances to bring about the Lord Jesus' birth there in Bethlehem. The Bible says there in verse 3 and 4, it says, So all went to be registered, every one to his own city. In other words, every 14 years, there was a census taken. Every 14 years, you were to have to go back to your, old, your home place, the place that you were born, and you were to register. And it was a census taken of who and where you're living at today. It says, out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David. Joseph was of the house and the lineage of David. What makes this so interesting is... Hundreds of years earlier, the prophet Micah had prophesied that Jesus Christ was going to be born in Bethlehem. Hundreds of years. Listen to what he says in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah. Though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be the ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. Now, can you imagine? Hundreds of years earlier, the prophet Micah, had said that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. So, some people might think that it was providential. Of course it was. That God himself arranged this census. God himself allowed this census to be taken to draw Mary and Joseph back to the city of Bethlehem and so there was going to be the place of this to take place there's over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament concerning the Lord Jesus Christ but I find it interesting if you would just take 8 of those prophecies and to see the what the logistic measure for it to come about, is overwhelming. I was reading in a book not too long ago, and the title of the book called Science Speaks, and the writer Peter Stoner had applied a modern scientific probability that just one of those eight prophecies coming to fulfillment. And you know what he came up to be? It came up to be, he being a mathematician, had tried to figure this out. He said, 1 in 10 to the 17th power is the probability that this prophecy would come about. He said, well, what does that mean? Huh. Do you know what 1 in 10 to the 17th power is? It is none less than 1 to 100 quadrillion possibilities that this, that this could come about. You say, well, I can't even uh, count that many zeros. Let me try to give you an example how much is one quadrillion is. If you would take a stack of silver dollars and you would stack them two feet deep, it would cover the land of Texas, the state of Texas from one end to the other. That's how many that is. But let's go a step further. If you really want to know the probability of this prophecy coming about, one in one quadrillion, you would take an X and mark it upon one of those silver dollars. And there you would go and you would place it somewhere in the middle of all those silver dollars, two feet deep, covering the whole state of Texas. And then you. Push them all together. Then you take a blind man and you put a black cloth around his eyes just to make sure that he is blind. And then take him in the middle of that state, and he would pick out the right silver dollar that has the X in it. That's the probability that one of these prophecies would come about. But my friend, I'm here to tell you, not just one, but all 300 of those prophecies came to fulfillment. And what that proves to me, God is a God of His Word. He is faithful in fulfilling of what He says that will come about. And so, my friend, it was not by chance that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but through the providence of our mighty God, he placed him there through the circumstances of that census taking. And so, we see here this census And the Bible says that Mary was great with child. She was about to have her baby at any moment. The Bible says in verse 6, So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. The circumstances, the prophecy, the place that we find. That prophecy being fulfilled. But secondly, I want you to notice with me a place that was full. It says in verse 7, And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the end as a result of the registration, as a result of the town being full of people. You can imagine trying to find a hotel room in the midst of all those people, and yet we find there was a no vacancy sign there on that local inn. There's been a lot of speculation about this innkeeper. No doubt he had heard of the prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ being born in Bethlehem. I think every Jew probably had. But he had no idea. He had no idea that it was Mary and Joseph standing at his doorway getting ready to deliver the child baby Jesus. I'd hate to be known as that innkeeper down through the years. Sort of reminds me, as I think about Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, no doubt, was, is the greatest basketball player that has ever lived. And by the way, he was from Carolina. Amen. I just happened to be reminded of that. In 1982... He helped lead North Carolina in winning the NCAA championship. He left Carolina, went to Chicago Bulls, and led them in three to four different uh, national championships, NBA championships. Now, you've probably said, well, I've heard of Michael Jordan. Everybody's heard of Michael Jordan. But you may not know this. When he was a sophomore in high school, his high school coach cut him from the varsity team because he was not good enough to play on that team. I'd hate to be the coach, down through the ages to be known, that I cut Michael Jordan from the team. Almost reminds you about the innkeeper, does it not? I'd hate to be the innkeeper. Down through the ages, who is known as saying, I have no room for you at my inn. Unaware who they were, unsympathetic, seeing her that she was great with child, she was about to have her baby at any moment, and yet, he just shoos them away from his household. So, number one, no room historically. But what about symbolically? Even in our day that we're living in today, how symbolic is it that there's no room for Jesus In our day, a lot of people, a lot of homes, even in our nation. It seems like there are signs everywhere, no vacancy. We have no room for you, Jesus. I think about our society. Our society has no room. We live in a world that is increasingly closing the door to the Lord Jesus Christ. It seems as if it is anti-God, anti-Christ, anti-Christian, anti-prayer, anti-church. And yet, on the other hand, it seems that there's always room for others to be heard and to be promoted and advanced. But when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no room. Have you ever stopped to think about our heritage, of how our Christian heritage was at the very form of the framework of our nation You possibly have been to Washington, D.C. before, and you've seen the Washington Monument. The Washington Monument, it stands at 555 feet. It has a radius of 69 square miles of being able to view the District of Columbia. The Washington Monument. On the top of the Washington Monument displays two Latin words, Los Dio. You know what that means? To God be glory. To God be glory. And then. Within that monument, there's 898 steps. Can you imagine walking up that? Some have, but there's landings. There are 50 different landings. Each step and each landing has a particular phrase or verse or something that is said upon those landings. On the 12th landing... A prayer is offered by the city of Baltimore. On the 20th landing is a memorial presented by some Chinese Christians. On the 24th landing, there's a presentation made by Sunday school children from New York and Philadelphia and the scriptures of Proverbs chapter 10, verse 17 and Luke chapter 18, verse 16. And Proverbs 22, verse 6, is written on that landing. Did you realize that the cornerstone of the Washington Monument, among a number of things that was placed in that cornerstone, one particular thing was placed, and that was the Word of God, the Bible, placed in that cornerstone. The Washington Monument, among many of the structures there in Washington, demonstrates and certainly displays our Christian heritage. And yet, when we talk about our Christian heritage today, people think that that's taboo, that we're not supposed to do that. I think of John... Jay. John Jay was one of the framers of the Constitution of our United States. John Jay was appointed by George Washington to become the very first Supreme Court justice. After he was appointed by the Supreme Court justice, he had written a letter to a clergyman by the name of Jedidiah Morse. I want you to listen to what he said. Providence has given to our people the choice of their rulers, and it is the duty as well as the privilege and interest of our Christian nation to select and prefer Christians For their rulers. When I read that. My mind immediately went back. To the confirmation hearings. Just a few weeks ago. About Brett Kavanaugh. Can you imagine what would have happened. If he had said that very thing. Under. The tremendous. Pressure. And displeasure amongst our media against this man, that if he would stand and said that, as well as the privilege and interest of our Christian nation to select and prefer Christians for their rulers, why, my goodness, he probably would not have gotten confirmed. Past few years, there's a man by the name, and you probably recognize him, by the name of Michael Newdow. Michael Newdow has gone on a rampage over the past number of years of trying to take out Christianity from our words and our currency and anything that would display God. He defines the supernatural as an oxymoron. He's an emergency room doctor, a lawyer, and get this, he's a licensed minister of atheism for the 1st Minister church of the true science. Now, you're talking about an oxymoron. That is an oxymoron but what, one of the things he tried to do is try to remove the words under God in our Pledge of Allegiance. He's tried to remove, in God we trust, from our currency. He's tried to remove our chaplain from praying in the name of Jesus to our Congress. I find it interesting that the day that he was arguing before the Supreme Court the words under God in our Pledge of Allegiance, the very first words he heard when the Supreme Court opened up was, God saved the United States and this honorable court. Michael Newdow, no doubt, is a symbol of our society today. Of people trying to say there's no vacancy here in America for anything to do with God. But you know what? I was thinking as I was putting this message together that not only is it symbolically, but I think about our season that we are experiencing today. You stop and you think about it. The Christmas season has been constantly under attack over the last several years. There's been a lot of attention. Businesses. Encouraging their department stores not to say Merry Christmas. Telling their workers not to say Merry Christmas. But to say, what? Holiday. Happy holiday. We all have grew up and remember reading about dr seuss of how grinch stole christmas well my friend i'm here to tell you liberals and groups like that have tried to steal christmas from us today thanks for not being politically correct now today we're saying happy holiday instead of merry christmas Or it's a holiday tree instead of a Christmas tree. Or it's a a friendship tree. It's a holiday parade, not a Christmas parade. Well, they even telling our students today, it is the holiday break, not the Christmas break or the winter break. It will be a time when to party and indulge the flesh. Many families will celebrate Christmas, and yet what they will do is leave Jesus out of it. What a terrible, terrible thought. No vacancy historically. No vacancy symbolically. But I want to get a little personal with you just for a few moments this morning. What about personally? Is there a no vacancy sign on your heart personally? Have you opened your heart to Jesus? You here today, have you surrendered your heart and your life to the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm reminded of a story by the name of Daniel Webster Whittle. Daniel Webster Whittle was a Union major in the Confederate War, or the War Between the States. He had his arms shot off and he had been placed into a Confederate war camp, prisoner of war. While he was there, he was wanting to read something and he didn't have anything to read except the Bible. And so he started reading the Bible Made him very uncomfortable. But he continued to read the Bible. See, he was a non-believer. He was asleep one day, and an orderly came and woke him up and said, there is a fellow prisoner that is dying. And he's asking for someone to come and to pray for him. Major Whittle said, well, I can't pray for him. The orderly says, well, I thought you were a Christian. I saw you reading your Bible. Reluctantly, he goes and he takes that young soldier by the hand. And he could see the pain. He could see death upon his face. And he began to pray. Immediately as he began to pray, it was as if the Holy Spirit of God spoke to him and said, how can you pray if you don't know me personally? He later wrote, and I want to read it to you. He said these very words. I dropped on my knees and held the boy's hand in mine. In a few broken words, I confessed my sins and asked Christ to forgive me. I believed right there that he did forgive me. I then prayed earnestly for the boy. And he became quiet and pressed my hand as I prayed and pleaded God's promises when i rose from my knees he was dead he later said that i believe it was the providence of god using that young soldier of bringing him to a place of understanding And accepting Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Oh, my friend, I want you to understand. The greatest time that I have ever experienced in my life was that Thursday night when I invited Jesus in my life. I welcomed him. And I welcome him today to be in my heart and in my home. And to be in my life. But I'd like to ask you another question. Will you open your heart to the Lord Jesus? This very day, this very hour, this very moment. If you have not, will you? i reminded of Holman Hunt's painting of the light of the world. You've probably seen this picture this this particular picture here. You've probably seen this picture many many times. After Holman Hunt got through painting that picture he invited one of his friends who was also an artist. And he asked him, he said, "I'd like your opinion about my painting." The artist looked over that painting of Holman Hunt's. He said, you've done an excellent job. But there's one thing that you left out. You've left out the doorknob. Holman Hunt says, "All. Oh, that's the whole point. The doorknob is on the inside. Jesus is standing outside knocking on the door. He's not going to barge into the life of an individual, but he's waiting for you to turn the key, turn the doorknob, and open the door and invite him into your life. You take the initiative. And when he does, he says, Behold, I stand at the door knocking, waiting for you to come and hear my voice and open that door that I might come and sup with you and fellowship with you for everlasting Oh, listen to me. Let's don't go through this Christmas season with a no vacancy sign out. If there's ever a time that we should be sharing the gospel, it should be this time of the year. And we should not allow this world or any one group to try to strangle us or stifle us from sharing the good news of the gospel.